Listening to new information creates fresh connections in your brain and greater awareness. Shades of Life awakens your brain with new information through shared stories and programs from a variety of presenters, bringing multiple perspectives and adding to the whole. All right, we're here tonight, and this is Parisha, your host. There's a tremendous amount of energy now being very, very focused toward this year's winter solstice, which is December 21st, and of course, the usual cheer and movement of consumer happiness around the thought of Christmas. So basically, we're going to talk about some of that, but we do want to proceed with just allowing ourselves to have a, a evening of kicking back and taking care of some of the matters and the things that, that I truly have wanted to talk to you about. So we're going to start off the program tonight by actually just talking about the success ratio of what people do. We're, we're coming to the time of the uh, season to where we have people who are setting goals and looking for the new, new year resolutions they will take on and so forth and on. And then we look at the bigger picture of what's going on around our world and all of the things that are happening. And as news usually does, it picks the more sensational stories, and if it's not sensational enough, they'll kind of chalk on a few things and put a few other colors to it so that you do actually get the sense of a real charged evening of news. But there are ordinary stories, and when you think of the few stories, the five or six stories that the news media covers, of course they have to select the most exciting ones, you know what I mean, because of all of the thousands upon thousands that are out there that are doing something else. And when we really consider the percentages of our world and realize that normally it's only anywhere from 3 to 5% of what's going on that could be considered harmful, negative, or tragic. So what happened to that other 95%? You know, why do we need to always be looking at something that is just not pleasant? You know, what have we become as a being that allows us to just focus on always having the trauma, always being involved in the unhappiness of it, you know? Because just think of all the wonderful things. I know in my life, yeah, there are some programs that I attend to and projects that I help get involved with that, actually lifts the spirits and everything of people. And then there are those who don't need that. It's just, you know, they join together and in the good of what they are, they enhance the good. But in their own way, you know, through donations, through sometimes monetary support, and sometimes through prayer and spirit, and sometimes through sending off some packages, maybe some clothing or something, it's that when you start seeing how we kind of interweave the oneness that we truly are at the microscopic level of quantum and in the oneness that we hear so much talked about and, you know, even in, in our religions where we actually hear that we're all children of God and the all is what I'm focusing on key word here. And so, you know, there's in everyone's scripture, there's something that focus on, focuses on us being and heredity, you know, our, our genealogy and our hereditary ground is from the one, whatever the sacred name is that we use. And that from there, we have spawned forth an evolution how many generations now. And some of the subject matter that we get to is people actually talking about how old the earth is. And I 
actually encountered a reporter that got into it quite heavy with me. I don't let any moss grow under my feet, and I definitely don't let dust catch up with me. So for me, it's always very, very uh, exciting to be out and in the world and meeting people and, and having great, uh, just just great fun. You know, I, I love uh, people. I love the world. The earth is my home. I move forward with whatever I'm doing. And uh, so basically, some of the stuff we're going to talk about is the traveling and the difference in, in people's opinions and perspectives. So to say variety is being mild, we're going to have a real contrast of different things that we bring up tonight. And as I promised, I've had uh, some conversation today with a reporter that uh, actually was going through some pretty horrendous reactions to someone um, I guess it was through biblical script, so I won't actually feel easy about trying to name somebody or put somebody on the spot with that. But anyway, the discussion was, how old is the earth? Okay, and when was the beginning of mankind? And uh, I don't know, and I said this to him, I don't know, in my opinion, if we really need to coincide man's humanity's existence to the planet's beginnings, you know, and there are some, definitely some scientists that believe it is synonymous and that one is the other. And if that's so, we would be talking of ourselves in much larger numbers and much longer measures of time. And then there are religions who believe that as a humanity, we're only 10,000 years in evolution, some believing that we're 6,000 years in evolution, and then there are all of the in-betweens, okay, or even the ahead up. So it's like I just uh, started sharing, like uh, he had heard that I had made the same statement in one of my presentations that our people speak of us in 650 trillion years of evolution in the earth. And he just wanted me to know how outrageously ridiculous that was that the earth didn't even exist as a planet body at that time and everything and I said okay and in our discussion there were a few people uh, I guess listening and then they began because we were on a talk show and then they began to get very um, excited and started calling in and lo and behold before you know it obviously people must have called and got friends who they know that are geologists and different sciences in, of you know the particular structures and base of what our earth is and they started calling an ocean. There was an oceanographer from California, Los Angeles, in fact. And then there was a geologist from Washington. And then we had a call from Africa. So we actually had a whole lot of people, and those are three that I, I bring to mind because they, the three of their statements were just so very, very profound. And it's that uh, when, when you get into the conversations of how old is the earth and the cosmology, you have various particular scriptures that cover that as best they can in a time when they were written, which is, you know, what, 2,000 years old, 3,000 years back, 6,000 years back. And I don't think that it's fair to make them all wrong or dispute them. But I do feel neither is it all right for them to totally not be open to hearing what studies and recent updates of, to that could be. So I believe that what we usually take issue with in, in scriptures is actually nothing other than not being accepting to the fact that when these were written, 
written from the best that they could possibly measure in that time. And what they, you know, what we have now is we have technology and all sorts of sciences that actually study the Earth's uh, crust and layers that actually can now look at us and measure us in the solar system, can actually now consider the differences between, or the contrast at least, of us and other planetary bodies and what the base uh, of manifestation, if we're gases or if we're, you know, basically particles or whatever we are. And so when you start looking at that, uh, what amazed me were, were the people that called in that was totally, just completely, definitely not open to any of the sciences that were actually saying anything beyond their scripture measures. And uh, one of the, the very strong fundamental Christian, but also a scientist that had said what he did understand in the scriptures is that the, the interpreters of what was trying to be preserved as the scriptures had a very limited awareness that he brought up Galileo and the Catholic Church and a whole bunch of other stuff that says, okay, at this point in time, this is the best they could do. And they were measuring that from records of Rome and certain particular histories and was kind of steering the measure of what they were saying from whatever those particular histories could prove or had written. So then we kind of find ourselves at the mercy or the grace or however you want to measure it of what the Romans particularly and some of the Greek and other civilizations who have longer uh, records of evolution than the actual measure from some of the Christian Bible and some of the Middle East. We have children of Abraham in the Middle East and we have children of Jesus coming out of Israel and you have... You have a lot of conflicting interest there as well as difference of particular records in what they have measured. So my you know, my whole thought is how are we ever gonna get past ourselves if we're not willing to at least listen? I know the best that I know and I'm gonna work from that as best I can, but I'm always open to understand and know that more than likely, there's far more there than I could conceive or probably have conceived in the time of study and evolution that I'm in. So I just feel that we kind of fall out of uh, the willingness to learn when we start locking ourselves into very rigid statements that are based on not too profound or, or sustainable uh, evidence and information. So basically, what I've come to in trying to listen and be as open-minded as I can. I've heard, you know, good arguments on both sides. But again, it comes to when do we really accept that as we evolve and we become, we begin to have other great avenues of tools and things to help us evolve and understand that we actually begin to realize we're going to have to consent to a bigger picture. And that bigger picture has to be something that maybe at its worst would be threatening to some very profound old beliefs and at its best to actually show us the reality and the update of what was given at the best that it could. So I don't believe in making it wrong is the, is the answer to it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. And I do believe that in that we have to then 
look at what is there and to the best of any of our abilities with our heart, open our heart to see what is there and what is it saying. Personally, I don't see anything contradicting to what I believe in and what my sacred name for the one is that science could ever prove wrong with anything that they can update. And in the sciences that I have studied for 55 years, but at the same time, whatever we're looking at as far as discoveries can only enhance that which we base our faith on and our particular views of what God or what our particular uh, sacred name is for that presence that refers to that God. And in all of the discussions that I heard, I just heard people needing to make wrong more than to actually show interest in knowing more. And for me, my thirst is always to know more. I mean, I have been a perennial student all my life, okay, and I just can't seem to get enough of wanting to understand. I just seem to seek constantly for what's new and what's out there and how far-reaching is that. And uh, so I'm not threatened. I'm not personally threatened, and I apologize to anyone who may be upset over what we're talking about. Okay, so basically what we need to to look at then is just to be at home with learning. I want to I want to know the most and the best and the most up to date that I can. And today seems to give me a greater understanding of what God is. It doesn't limit it to me. And it allows me also to see the importance of how we have evolved and what the very nature of our ancestral lines have actually preserved and kept in place for us. And that then we need to look at if we're out of control side of any of this material that actually limits where we're going to be able to go with it and how we're going to be able to use it. Here's what I believe, and I accept that. There's no way, no matter what I learn and what I see, that would ever totally take away or taint in any way the love and the understanding I have of what I call God. So I do find that it helps me understand scriptures better, that I can understand why somebody could possibly live to be hundreds of years old and thousands of years old, and that it also, through quantum, I've learned that, and it also helps me understand how we have been actually given a planet created out of perfect conditions, out of perfect chemistry, biology, and all the sciences that are needed to support the miracle of what we are as a body and humanity. And then to understand that in the reflection that we are simply of that which is God. It's just, uh, I think it's too exciting and too, it just gives me such comfort and peace that trying to fight and argue over how old the earth is and how long we have been evolving. Whatever that is, the present moment is more important. Now, I'm getting a note here that says you have, we have a caller. Hello, and who's on the line? Hello, this is Anne. Oh, hello. Hello. Hello, hello. And what can we do for you? What's up tonight? I was just listening to your uh, talk about the ancient, how old it is, and I know that they were saying how old the Grand Canyon is, but I, I've often wondered why that is so important because it's the future that we're looking at. Isn't that what's really important? I agree with you, and I think also it's not just the future because at any given moment you or I might not be part of that future, but we're very present 
and in the present with everything that we could possibly want or believe or enact upon is is with us in this moment in this breath and uh, I agree with you I think that it's so much more important to be willing to learn more and I just find, I don't know who you're at, in, but I just find it would be very boring if we knew everything we we could possibly know already. Does that make any sense to you? Yes, and everything that we could possibly know, if you could explain that a little bit more. Well, like for me, everything that we could possibly know is is going to unfold every day because every day there's something new and, and we're discovering. So... I just look at it and, and realize that, you know, whenever I hear an introduction, like very recently, they were talking about cloning, and and I'm not saying I don't feel concerned about what, what will happen as the cloning becomes more accepted, and probably the uh, the money mongers will find different ways they could work against that. But then, I think again, it brings us to the responsibility of understanding then that we are called upon to be as God is and that we are held to be responsible as we hold God responsible for whatever those particular abilities in life are. So, again, I guess I just put it into a perspective that I I seem to need to find room to where everything fits, you know, that everything has its own place. So what are some of the other reflections you had on that? My my other question is about genetically modified foods and items because they're in those items they're taking actually um like parts of bacteria and, and putting them into the genetics of the food items. And that to me seems like it's really interfering with um the way things were meant to be. Mhm. Mhm. Well, I, I have a few noted advocates. In fact, uh, Trina Cooper and uh, her friends that operate out of the center up there in Denver, uh, Journeys for Conscious Living, actually has taken on organizing Denver and Colorado to actually make a position and take a stand on that. I come from a people who have generations. We keep our seeds being native Corn is one of the very vital parts of not only our food source but our spiritual life and balance. So we actually have seeds that's gathered. Like if we plant a cornfield, we actually keep a fourth of the seeds, like the very best out of the harvest is kept and turned dried and turned the seed so that that's what the next crop comes to have, the very best of the last year. And... Uh, I don't, you know, I don't understand the need for that, but neither do I feel that I know enough about it to know why people ever even let that get off the ground. And especially when you understand that hybrid actually means you only get one, one an annual growth out of it. In other words, what I'm saying is that this particular year's crop would not be offering any seeds for another planting. And that makes no sense to me. I mean... You know, I'm not saying I'm I'm probably the most highly evolved genius of the world, but the very fact that how do you plan on manufacturing seeds if what I just had doesn't have any seed-based probability. So that that never made any sense to me. And that then to genetically uh, alter it 
I've heard the pros and the cons of that. So I've heard people say that they can genetically alter it so that certain parasites and infestations are avoided because they won't eat it. And then my next question to those people was, what are those particular concerns and what are we talking about? And then they'll say particular worms or particular insect families and so forth and on. And it's like, uh, yes, but those are all part of the organic part of our life to eat. For any of us to eat of the fruit that had a worm in it, we simply just pop the worm out, cut out the hole, and eat the apple. <laughs> and where would you go, why do we need to kill the worm, you know? And then the worm goes back into irrigating and adding, uh, you know, good things for the earth. And... Uh, and, and don't hear me saying I love all the insects and the little crawling people. I don't. I, I, I do not like ticks at all. So, I mean, but I do feel that if some infestation, and in this, and uh, in my homelands of North Carolina, we have a vine that grows that was brought in from another country that actually begins to be a canopy that pulls the shade over our forest and kills our trees from lack of sun. So, I mean, there are things that actually need to have some solutions. I just don't know that I accept, like you, that they need to be genetically altering everything in our food uh, stores. I just don't know about that. I don't feel at all good about it. It's not an answer by no means, but it is my opinion. Well, I, I, I agree because I believe it, that nature has its ways with things, and if we give it its opportunity, it will do what it needs to do properly. And so I'm really concerned about those uh, genetically modified foods. Then, then, you know, like when you talk to all of the heads that I talk to, then you have those people who are telling us that the planet in itself is changing to where the natural order isn't going to be exactly life-enhancing for us as humans. So a very an acclaimed author actually let me know that we, uh, you know, that it's what, we, what we know as a people and that we're so limited to that that even for us to think is, is not the, the most extensive thing we can do. But Anne's point is very good as to the GMO and how we really have to look at the fact in altering the very nature of how our food production goes, we could be putting ourselves into some very, very not healthy places. And so basically we can move on from there with that. I think that anybody who has any conscious realization of how important the food sources are and how important water is and how important air is to the very uh, level of how life is for us, that we need to pay attention to that. We need to take care of those things. We need to make sure that we're conscious of the fact that we, what we're putting in the water and that we're conscious of whatever we're doing to the seeds in the ground and that we need to actually ask when somebody wants to put that particular trip out there, what are you up to and exactly what would be the purpose of that? Sometimes I find that people are reluctant to actually come front with their questions and with their opposition to something. And uh, I think we can have opposition without aggression and, uh, you know, fight and, and war. I think that opposition simply is us looking at the elephant from all different parts and to understand how if we just simply communicate about it, we can put it together and actually get the bigger picture. So that would be my particular point of view on that. 
and also going back to some of our perspectives as far as how science is still seeming to find itself adverse of each other. I think that if we could just relax and realize that no one's trying to prove right or wrong, but just trying to advance and look deeper into that we can find peace in that. Like I said before, I don't know of any science, and for 55 years I've looked into all of them, that has ever once weakened or my particular commitment and understanding of the one that is in all things, by whatever sacred name you should refer to it. And uh, so as we learn about ourselves, we have to be open to seeing all of that. Also, one of the things I bring up is the UFO community and some of the extraordinary findings that it now has. And what is extremely impressive is you have people, heads of countries, uh, who have actually served as presidents and uh, leaders of the parliament, and you have generals, you have trusted officers, and all of our systems now coming forward with some extraordinary information about what people actually call aliens. And uh, that would not exactly be my concern on any of that, being uh, very much of a community of my Cherokee family. We have been spoken and taught from birth and understanding that our origins, meaning that where we began as a being actually come into the earth and come into the earth from the Pleiades. We talk about where we're going to go and where we came from. We, we consider that the Pleiades. And uh, then when I hear people speaking of aliens, and of course I've seen some extraordinary uh, particular views of what they're saying this one is or that one is, um, the aliens to us are considered our ancients. And they were part of and are a part of our evolution. And uh, they actually have seeded, as far as we're concerned, seeded uh, information to help us evolve in a healthier, uh, more open-minded perspective. In brain research, when I was actually trying to, I only went into the sciences to validate the wisdom of my people. And when I went into brain research, I found that Right in the brain itself was a, a validation and, a, and definitely a profiling of what our people believe because we have, we have layers to our brain. So there's actual cellular caps that grow and, you know, like what our people will say, this is the fifth world. Okay, so we're entering the sixth world. Well, as brain researchers and everything knows from the fact that sometimes when we pull a brain out of a, a human being who has passed and donated organs and so forth and on, we're aware that there is another cellular cap growing in, in over the brain, okay? So then when we look at that, it's, it's sort of like if you look at a tree and from the middle of the tree you see the different around each cycle or each circle in the tree actually represents a season or maybe even a particular time period as long as five years of how old that tree is. Okay, so we can understand then that the, each particular ring inside the tree is significant to history and measure. And so basically what we're doing is learning that, at least I see it as that, 
from the fact that we grow these particular um, additional cellular level to our brain. And at that level, at least how many caps that we can count is perfect within the particular learning and teaching of our people who says we are now entering the sixth world. So, you know, I I guess I've been exposed to so much of that over these 72 years that I just eagerly wait the, the fact before you see the information coming together. So it makes for a really uh, joyful perspective in how things unfold. And so basically I would suggest that if we're going to do anything, we need to be more open-minded to what is happening. Okay, uh, we now have another caller. Caller, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Hi, how are you? And can you give us your name and, and tell us about what part of the beautiful earth you're in? Uh, my name is Mark, and I study all sorts of different things, and I've heard some, some crazy stuff coming up here. Huh? And uh, I wonder what kind of validity we can put in this end of the Mayan calendar stuff. Oh, okay. Well, that's always a question that comes up very often. In fact, I just said to a friend today, I would be very happy when we get past December 21st because I'm tired of talking about it. So it's really a time of a new calendar. And for our Mayan family, okay, all we're really talking about here when we're talking about the fact that, you know, yes, a calendar is completing itself. And that simply means as far as the Mayans are concerned, and, and I've worked all my life because we we moved and gravitated more north as Cherokee, but then a lot of our DNA and our exact uh, bloodline runs also with the Mayans. So we're kind of a, a, a different-natured people than what most other Indians are. And so most, most other Native American tribes and nations actually look at the Cherokee as being backward. And so the significance of that to us is that we were born below the equator. So we we see things in a different order. And so like when most indigenous people refer to something as mother or grandfather or grandmother, we may see the male aspect in it, the masculine aspect of it, more so than we do the fem- the female one or the feminine. And so when we talk about the Mayans and the, the, the December 21st, all of the elders that I've lived with and been raised with, has we've always known that we have a wider cycle that we revolve with as far as the Milky Way. Our galaxy is the Milky Way, okay? The closest one that seems to be emanating and drawing closer to us by a measurable distance through Hubbard's telescope and others, is Andromeda. So for our solar system and its movement, we have entered into a greater cyclic track around that particular galaxy. The greatest and the only explanation I can give you that would help you understand anything is that we have completed a 125,000-year cycle. And that would be a track where we way out around the Pleiades in the Milky Way. And so if we look at the universe and we think of how, like an old clock, remember when there were all these wheels and years in the back of the clock that turned, one would turn the opposite of the other and it would make something move, okay? Well, basically our whole universe is like that. So when we talk about Mayan calendars, okay, I I don't really know how they got called Mayan calendars and from what particular route that come to be, 
but all indigenous people work from a different calendar than you do if you're on the Gregorian calendar, day to day in a different place than the clock on the wall. So when we call, we consider the change that's happening on the 21st, it has been reported by our scientists for about a good 15 years now, different waves of different uh, things coming out of the Pleiades. We'll go for it. And so at this time, what we want to do is actually make sure that what we're doing with uh, what's coming with us at the 21st is that we're just doing the very best that we can as a humanity, that we're doing kind and good things for people, that we have a, another cyclic part of our uh, universal uh, part and role of the universe's community, Earth being a part of our solar system, our solar system being a part of a greater galaxy, and so forth and on. But there's completion coming out, and it's not the end of the world, okay? Never was spoken of and was never referred to by any indigenous group, of which the Mayan is one, of there being the end of the earth, okay? That it definitely, I know on the spiritual realm and where people study a lot of the sciences, like quantum, and include that as far as uh, some of what the metaphysical community has also seen, is that there definitely expected change in evolution. Well, if you put your interest in any of those fields, you have to know what the science has proved to us very, very easily, what effect we have in the way we think of our outer community and environment. So if we have a lot of people moving toward thinking it's the end of the world, I truly know, just because of the science that I know and how I was raised, there will be an effect. Now, do you know, for the many who believe that the earth is going to tilt over and there's going to be undulations of earthquakes and everything, you know, going on with the Earth's surface. Uh, you know, I don't know where you've been, but that's been happening right along, okay? And so basically, will it get more or be more frequent? I know this. I'm sure those who have gone through some extensive earthquakes think that it is the end of their world and how much destruction they've had to overcome. So for me, I like to think on the harmless things and the beautiful things and realize that there is a great consciousness on this planet that knows we're evolving very fast now and we're moving sort of as a quickening because of the vibrational field changing in our Earth. And that because of technology, we are now able to measure so many different things. And at measurement, we begin to explore the greater nature of what we are as beings. All right, so as we move on then, and we are coming into... Uh, our hour of time. I, I, what I would really like to sum up tonight is my message to the audience and the listeners who share this time with me, is that what I what I think that we all need to do is the very best that we can contribute to whatever it is that we do in this earth and that we begin to be greater in forgiveness and greater in knowing that we make a difference and that we truly begin to explore that as children of God, what do we need to behave like? What do we? What What is the particular manners of one that is the seed of the source? And if we're living as that, and if we're doing as that, then actually 
everything we do is a description of what we believe. And I think that if we all come to live in that, that we will resolve the need for wars and disputes in the nature of what's happening in the Middle East, and that we will realize the only true uh, source of peace is when we are willing to sit down and negotiate for it, and that our intentions are so strong and our determination is so very definite that it's not that we're doing it against somebody, but that we're showing that we are standing for what we are for. And it's in the standing what we're for that it will transmute into that harmony and that love of all life and, and respect of all life that is very necessary and will continue to be how we as humanity evolve and show ourselves in the likeness of that which we are very seeds of and children of. And then from there, I guess we'll have to see how in the very powerful technology that's developing in our world and how that technology is showing us just how powerful and magnificent our brain trust is. You know, everything that is invented and everything that you have as a thing in this world came from the human beings and the way we can think. So if we have the ability to actually think of, of an idea and bring it to usefulness as we have computers and technology and all these other things. We also have a responsibility then to make sure that what we use it for and why it is developed is to enhance life and to bring greater value to being of humanity. And with that, I'm going to kind of close the show. This is Parisha. Thank you very much. All good things. Welcoming you to know what's coming up, to get information on other episodes, and share your reflections and questions. You are important and you matter. Shades of Life. Listen on Anchor. HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash anchor dot FM forward slash shades hyphen of hyphen life. Watch on YouTube. HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash tinyurl.com forward slash capital S letter O capital L I F E. Find out more on the blog site https colon forward slash forward slash shades of life sol dot blogspot dot com. Share your input on Facebook https colon forward slash forward slash www.facebook.com forward slash capital C letter O capital L I letter F letter E dot SOL. Stay tuned together as we make the difference. Expand your knowledge and you will transform your mind. Bruce H. Lipton